Hello, friends. Welcome to the Functional Nurse Practitioner Podcast. I'm a board-certified family nurse practitioner who believes in utilizing functional medicine strategies in order to provide a more comprehensive approach for optimal health. The current model of care in healthcare is very lacking, which led me down the road of functional medicine. Functional medicine is a systems biology approach, which looks at uncovering the root causes for the symptoms we are having in order to allow for healing versus simply applying a band-aid to the situation. I believe we need an integrative approach of both conventional and functional medicine in order to provide the best care possible. I feel so strongly about this that I had to leave my conventional medicine practice. While conventional medicine thrives with acute care issues, there is much to be desired with regards to chronic conditions. No longer could I practice in an institution where volume of patients rather than optimization of health was its driving force. I started my own practice specializing in functional medicine where I work with my clients to uncover their unique story. Utilizing the functional medicine timeline and matrix, identifying the antecedents, triggers, and mediators driving the disease process assists with getting to the root causes of the symptoms in order to allow for healing. This personalized approach leads to improved health outcomes. If you want to work with me and live in Indiana, head on over to my website at www.thefunctionalnursepractitioner.com and click the link to book your free introductory call. Just a quick disclaimer that this podcast is meant for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose or be a substitute for medical advice from your practitioner. Also, if you like what you hear on this show, I would be real appreciative if you would leave a review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're listening from, and subscribe to the show. Okay, on to today's episode. This is episode 5 of season 2, number 57 overall. We've got friends listening from over 46 countries around the world, including France, Switzerland, Spain, and India. Today, we're talking about vitamin D. Vitamin D is vastly important, and we are getting into the nitty-gritty of this topic as it is estimated that 1 billion individuals around the world have a deficiency I was one of the billion. Today's show was prompted by a question from Nicholas. Nicholas asked, should I supplement with vitamin D? I spend a lot of time outdoors, but wonder if this is enough. Thank you, Nicholas, for your question. As a reminder, if you have an idea for a show, a question, or a comment, send me a DM, email, comment on a YouTube video, and I will give you a shout out. Nicholas, we're going to cover all the must need information today so you will feel empowered and can then go back to your practitioner and request blood work to gauge dosing, etc. I do feel this is a test, not guess scenario. We have a lot of info to cover today. I am well prepared. I hope you are as excited as I am for the show today. Let's start with our outline. Segment one, what is vitamin D? Segment two, functions and importance in the body. Segment three, health implications of vitamin D 
deficiency, segment 4, factors affecting vitamin D levels, and segment 5, optimizing vitamin D levels. As always, I will do my best to educate without overwhelm. You guys seem to like the flow of last week's show, not delineating the segments, so I will be rolling straight through, and we may cover info from segment four during the second segment, if that makes sense. I do recommend listening to this show in its entirety to gain insight, as this is a crucial part of getting optimized, at least in my opinion. What is vitamin D? Vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin that plays a crucial role in maintaining optimal health. That is a very bold statement, and I intend to back it up. Lots of links in the show notes, friends, as always. There are two main forms of vitamin D. Vitamin D2, ergocalciferol, and vitamin D3, cholecalciferol. Vitamin D2 is an inactive form of vitamin D that is produced by certain plants when exposed to ultraviolet B, UVB light. It's commonly found in foods like fortified cereals, mushrooms treated with UV light, and some supplements. When consumed, vitamin D2 undergoes conversion in the liver to form 25-hydroxyvitamin D2, which is the main circulating form of vitamin D2 in the bloodstream. Vitamin D2 is not as bioavailable as vitamin D3, which means it might not raise blood levels of vitamin D as effectively as vitamin D3 in some individuals. Vitamin D3 is mainly synthesized in the skin when it's exposed to UVB radiation from sunlight. It's also found in certain animal-based foods such as fatty fish, salmon, mackerel, tuna, egg yolks, and cod liver oil. Similarly, like vitamin D2, vitamin D3 also undergoes conversion in the liver to form 25-hydroxyvitamin D3, the circulating form of vitamin D3 in the bloodstream. Vitamin D3 tends to be more effective in raising and maintaining blood levels of vitamin D compared to D2 due to its higher bioavailability. Both forms of vitamin D further undergo conversion in the kidneys to their active forms, calcitriol 125-dihydroxyvitamin D, which plays a critical role in regulating calcium and phosphorus absorption, bone health, and overall immune system function. Let's get more granular with vitamin D's importance in the body, starting with its role in bone health. Vitamin D plays a pivotal role in maintaining bone health by aiding in the regulation of calcium and phosphorus levels in the body. I am a list gal. As you know, I've got five ways in which vitamin D can impact bone health. Number one, Calcium absorption. Vitamin D helps in the absorption of dietary calcium from the intestines into the bloodstream. Without sufficient vitamin D, the body cannot absorb an adequate amount of calcium, even if it's consumed in the diet. This absorption is crucial for maintaining strong bones and teeth. Number two, bone mineralization. Once calcium is absorbed into the bloodstream, vitamin D works with parathyroid hormone, PTH, to regulate calcium levels in the blood. If blood calcium levels drop too low, PTH 
stimulates the release of calcium from bones to maintain the balance, resulting in weakened bones. Vitamin D helps to prevent this by aiding in the proper mineralization of bone, ensuring they remain strong and healthy. Number three, reduced risk of bone diseases. Insufficient vitamin D levels can lead to bone diseases like rickets in children and osteomalacia in adults. Rickets is characterized by soft and weak bones, skeletal deformities, and growth issues in children. Osteomalacia is a condition where the bones become soft and weak in adults, leading to increased risk of fractures and bone pain. Number four, preventing osteoporosis. Osteoporosis is a condition characterized by low bone density and increased bone fragility, leading to an increased risk of fractures. Adequate vitamin D levels in combination with calcium and regular physical activity are crucial for maintaining bone density and reducing the risk of osteoporosis. Number five, muscle function. Vitamin D also plays a role in maintaining muscle function and strength. Deficiency in vitamin D may contribute to muscle weakness and an increased risk of falls, which can further lead to fractures, particularly in older adults. How about beyond bones? What kind of impact does vitamin D have on our immune system? You know I love talking about the immune system. In keeping with the list theme, I've got six ways in which vitamin D affects the immune system. Number one, regulation of immune cell function. Vitamin D is known to modulate the function of various immune cells, including T cells, B cells, and antigen-presenting cells like macrophages and dendritic cells. These cells have vitamin D receptors, VDRs, indicating the role of vitamin D in regulating their activity. Number two, anti-inflammatory properties. Vitamin D exhibits anti-inflammatory effects by suppressing the production of pro-inflammatory cytokines. It helps in controlling excessive immune responses, which can be harmful and contribute to various inflammatory conditions. Number three, enhancement of antimicrobial activity. Vitamin D contributes to the body's defense against infections by promoting antimicrobial activity. It supports the production of antimicrobial peptides, which possess antimicrobial properties and aid in fighting against pathogens like bacteria, viruses, and fungi. Number four, autoimmune disease modulation. Adequate levels of vitamin D have been associated with a reduced risk of developing certain autoimmune diseases, including multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, and type 1 diabetes. It's believed that vitamin D helps regulate the immune system, potentially reducing the risk of autoimmune issues. Number five, respiratory health. Vitamin D may play a role in respiratory health and reducing the risk of respiratory tract infections. Some studies suggest that maintaining optimal vitamin D levels could be beneficial in preventing respiratory infections, particularly in individuals with deficiencies. And number six, wound healing. Vitamin D contributes to the process of wound healing 
by promoting the function of immune cells involved in tissue repair and regeneration. The deficiency of vitamin D is associated with an increased risk of various conditions due to its wide-ranging effects. These include cardiovascular diseases, infectious illnesses, and autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, systemic lupus erythematosus, and multiple sclerosis. The use of vitamin D for disease treatment and prevention has sparked debates owing to its potential immunosuppressive impact. Furthermore, vitamin D's anti-cancer properties have shown promise in cancer treatment. Recent studies highlight that immune cells such as monocytes, macrophages, dendritic cells, and lymphocytes possess vitamin D receptors and enzymes capable of activating vitamin D. This suggests that these cells have the ability to both produce and respond to activated vitamin D. Research has demonstrated a positive correlation between vitamin D deficiency and the initiation or worsening of several autoimmune diseases. Vitamin D deficiency can have far-reaching health implications. I've got seven potential health consequences associated with insufficient vitamin D levels. Number one, bone health issues. The most well-known consequence of vitamin D deficiency is related to bone health. In children, severe deficiency can lead to rickets. As we mentioned earlier, this is a condition characterized by soft and weak bones, skeletal deformities, delayed growth, and an increased risk of fractures. In adults, vitamin D deficiency can cause osteomalacia, the condition where bones become weak, brittle, and prone to fractures. Number two, muscle weakness and pain. Low vitamin D levels are linked to muscle weakness, aches, and pains. This can contribute to decreased muscle strength and increased risk of falls in older adults, particularly potentially leading to fractures and a decline in mobility. Number three, increased risk of chronic diseases. Research suggests that vitamin D deficiency may be associated with an increased risk of various chronic diseases. This includes cardiovascular diseases like hypertension, heart disease, and heart failure, as well as conditions like diabetes, certain cancers, thyroid disorders, and autoimmune diseases. Number four, immune system complications. Inadequate vitamin D levels have been linked to a compromised immune system, potentially increasing susceptibility to infections such as colds, flu, and respiratory tract infections. It may also contribute to the severity of certain autoimmune diseases by affecting immune cell function and regulation. Number five, mental health conditions. Some studies suggest a link between vitamin D deficiency and mental health disorders such as depression, seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, and cognitive impairment. Vitamin D receptors are present in brain regions involved in mood regulation, and vitamin D is thought to influence neurotransmitter synthesis and function, such as serotonin, known for its role in mood regulation. Low vitamin D levels might contribute to alterations in neurotransmitter levels, potentially impacting mood and increasing the risk of depression. Seasonal changes affecting sunlight exposure can lead to seasonal affective disorder, a type of depression occurring at specific times of the year, often during fall and winter. 
Reduced exposure to sunlight during these seasons can result in decreased vitamin D synthesis in the skin, potentially contributing to the development of SAD. Light therapy, which simulates sunlight, is a common treatment for SAD, further indicating the possible role of sunlight exposure and vitamin D in mood regulation. Some research has suggested a link between vitamin D deficiency and an increased risk of cognitive decline and dementia in older adults. Vitamin D's anti-inflammatory and neuroprotective properties may influence cognitive function and brain health. Insufficient vitamin D levels might contribute to neurodegenerative processes associated with conditions like Alzheimer's disease and dementia. While the evidence is still evolving, there is some research indicating a potential relationship between vitamin D deficiency and an increased risk of anxiety disorders. Vitamin D's involvement in regulating neurotransmitters and its influence on brain health could impact anxiety levels, although the exact mechanisms remain to be fully understood. Preliminary studies have explored vitamin D's potential role in various psychiatric conditions beyond depression and anxiety, including schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. Number six, pregnancy complications. Vitamin D deficiency during pregnancy may be associated with complications such as gestational diabetes, preeclampsia, and a higher risk of infections. Insufficient vitamin D levels in infants can also lead to health issues like low birth weight and an increased risk of respiratory infections. Number seven, impact on overall health and well-being. Overall, maintaining adequate vitamin D levels is crucial for optimal health and well-being. It plays a role in various bodily functions beyond bone health, influencing immune function, inflammation regulation, cell growth, and hormone regulation. Given the wide-ranging impact of vitamin D on multiple body systems, it's important for individuals to maintain adequate levels through a combination of sensible sun exposure, diet, and supplementation when necessary under the guidance of a healthcare practitioner. Regular monitoring of vitamin D levels can help prevent deficiencies and reduce the risk of associated health conditions. Okay, so we know that vitamin D is really important. What impacts our vitamin D levels? As you might have guessed, I've got another list. Several factors influence an individual's vitamin D levels, encompassing environmental, dietary, genetic, and lifestyle elements. I've got eight factors that may be affecting your vitamin D levels. Number one, sun exposure. The primary source of vitamin D is sunlight. UVB rays from the sun trigger the synthesis of vitamin D in the skin. Factors such as time of day, season, geographic location, weather conditions, and skin pigmentation influence the amount of vitamin D produced in response to sunlight exposure. People living in regions with less sunlight, especially during winter months, may be more prone to vitamin D deficiency. I had a fellow NP ask why anyone would test for vitamin D deficiency in the winter. We are all likely deficient, is what she said. That makes no sense to me at all. Depending on where we live and how long the winter and darker months last, we will just be deficient then? And that's okay? No, it's not. Trust me, friends, I had a pretty significant deficiency, and my NP caught it in the winter months, and it made a significant difference. 
More on that in a bit. Number two, skin pigmentation. Melanin, the pigment responsible for skin color, acts as a natural sunscreen. Individuals with darker skin tones have more melanin, which reduces the skin's ability to produce vitamin D in response to sunlight. Consequently, they may require longer sun exposure to synthesize adequate amounts of vitamin D compared to those with lighter skin tones. Number three, clothing and sunscreen use. Wearing clothing that covers most of the body and using sunscreen with high sun protection factor, SPF, can inhibit the skin's ability to produce vitamin D. While sun protection is crucial for preventing skin damage and cancer, it can reduce vitamin D synthesis. There is a balance, and finding that balance matters. Number four, dietary intake. Although few foods naturally contain vitamin D, some sources include fatty fish, like salmon and mackerel, egg yolks, cod liver oil, one of my favorites to consume on a daily basis. It sounds gross, but once I got past what it was that I was sipping off of a teaspoon, I was good. Fortified dairy products and certain fortified foods like breakfast cereals and orange juice. I am not a fan of fortified foods laced with synthetic vitamins, aside from the fact that consuming cereals and juices, well, I'm guessing you know my stance on this. What nutrients are in the said cereal? I used to eat a gigantic bowl of shredded wheat, well, frosted shredded wheat, to be more precise, every morning, back when I worked for hospice. At our morning huddle, I would be chomping away at the insanely large bowl of cereal. Funny how I was hungry an hour or so later and had headaches every day. Body pain. Was it the wheat or the gluten, to be more specific, at least in my case? Probably. Although I'm sure the glyphosate didn't help matters either, nor did the refined carbohydrates and sugars. The amounts of vitamin D obtained through diet alone may not be sufficient to meet daily requirements, especially for those with limited dietary intake of these foods. Number five, age and health conditions. Age-related changes in skin thickness and reduced efficiency in synthesizing vitamin D from sunlight can affect older adults' vitamin D levels. Health conditions affecting the gut's ability to absorb fat, such as celiac disease, Crohn's disease, and cystic fibrosis can impair vitamin D absorption, leading to deficiencies. There are a myriad of other things that could impact absorption. Do you have a leaky gut? Are you on a PPI, proton pump inhibitor for heartburn? Are you under stress? Who isn't? Am I right? Do you get adequate restful sleep, seven to nine hours per night, Altered intestinal permeability matters, my friends, for more than just absorbing fat-soluble vitamins. We did a two-part series on this topic you guys really loved, episodes 7 and 8 if you missed them. Number 6, geographical location. The latitude and altitude of where a person lives impact the angle of sunlight and consequently the skin's ability to produce vitamin D. Regions farther from the equator receive less intense sunlight, particularly during winter, increasing the risk of vitamin D deficiency. Number seven, obesity. Fat-soluble vitamin D is stored in fat cells. Individuals with higher body fat may have lower circulating levels of vitamin D 
because it gets sequestered in fat tissues, making it less available for use by the body. Number eight, genetics. You know I love talking about genetics, my friends. Genetic factors are believed to have a significant impact on vitamin D levels, accounting for approximately 80% of the influence which surpasses the impact of dietary and environmental factors estimated, estimated to be at around 25%. I have the CYP2R1AG genotype. The AG genotype shows a diminished capacity of the enzyme CYP2R1 to convert vitamin D into its active form 1,25-dihydroxyvitamin D3, leading to lower levels of vitamin D in the body. I test vitamin D levels all the time and frequently see deficiency or suboptimal levels. There are other genes implicated with the absorption of vitamin D. If you have the means and are working with somebody that can interpret the results, I am a fan of testing genetics. Understanding these factors can help individuals take proactive steps such as spending time outdoors, consuming vitamin D-rich foods, and considering supplementation when necessary to maintain adequate vitamin D levels and support overall health. We have finally made it, my friends. Let's talk about optimizing vitamin D levels. I want to start this last segment by first going over how to test and optimal ranges. The most precise method for assessing the quantity of vitamin D present in your body is through the 25-hydroxy vitamin D test. This includes results for total 25-hydroxy vitamin D2 and 25-hydroxy vitamin D3. This test measures the level of circulating vitamin D in the bloodstream. Each lab is different, but most will show a quote-unquote normal range between 30 and 100. If your level is less than 30, you would have some deficiency. If the level is 30 or 40, is that the same as if your result is 70 or 80? Laboratory reference ranges are often derived from samples collected from a large and diverse group of individuals who are considered healthy or free from the condition being tested. The collected data undergoes statistical analysis to determine the range of values that encompass most of the healthy population, usually around 95%. This range is often defined as two standard deviations from the mean or average value of the test results. In some cases, reference ranges may differ for specific demographics or groups such as ages, gender, ethnicities, or pregnant individuals. These adjustments consider psychological variations or conditions that might affect test results. It's essential to note that while reference ranges provide a benchmark for, interpretive, for interpreting lab results, they serve as a guideline rather than a definitive diagnosis. Do you know what the single most important factor with interpreter with in good I am having a hard time talking today my friends please don't let my congested voice be a turnoff do you know what the single most important factor 
with interpreting results is you. The human in front of me always takes priority. If your level is 35, it's normal, air quotes over here, is it optimal for you? Likely not. When I look at a reference range, I typically look to the middle and aim for there. This is not absolute, but it's a good starting point. I typically like to see results between 60 and 80. I do recommend testing levels and repeating the test three months after supplementation. I also feel the recommended guidelines for vitamin D supplementation is too low, but we need to prioritize the individual as 5,000 units a day, what I currently take, and keeps my level around 80, maybe too much or not enough for you. Remember the list of things that impacts our levels? If I flood your body with a higher dose of a supplement, will you be able to absorb it? How are you taking the supplement? Is it a tablet, a capsule, spray in the mouth, a shot? It matters. It depends on the rest of your clinical picture. If you have a leaky gut, it may be better to use a spray so it bypasses the stomach. I also always recommend taking vitamin D with vitamin K2. Vitamin K2 helps to put the calcium that gets raised from taking vitamin D into the bones rather than in your arteries or your kidneys. Vitamin K2 is considered cardioprotective. We will do a separate show on this powerhouse vitamin as it deserves a show of its own. It's recommended over the age of 40 to add in vitamin K2, in particular for not increasing the risk of atherosclerosis. However, kids are getting atherosclerosis. Isn't this a middle age disease? I thought fatty liver was too, but kids are getting that also. I wonder why. I am feisty today, friends. I usually recommend a combination supplement to reduce the number of capsules or separate supplements you're taking on a daily basis. I cannot stress enough the importance of testing levels. The multivitamin I take has 5,000 units of vitamin D and 45 micrograms of vitamin K2. You may need more of K2. That may not be enough. I like the multi I take because it also has a methylated B complex, various others like vitamin A and vitamin E, but also selenium. I do not eat enough Brazil nuts, so I do like to ensure I'm optimized for selenium, especially given my thyroid issues, or now with not having a thyroid, my lack of a thyroid issues. I wish there was one supplement that had optimal doses of all of the vitamins I want to take already in the capsule. Of course, this is very nuanced, and what jives for me may not jive for you. Vitamin D stands as a vital nutrient and extends its influence far beyond mere bone health. Its significance resonates throughout the body, regulating or influencing hundreds of different genes, affecting immune function, cellular processes, hormone regulation, and overall well-being. From its role in supporting strong bones to modulating the immune system and potentially impacting mental health, vitamin D emerges as a crucial component of maintaining optimal health throughout life. Recognizing the importance of maintaining adequate levels through sun exposure, diet, and supplementation while acknowledging individual needs is pivotal in harnessing the profound benefits that vitamin D offers for a healthier life. And on that note, 
I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Drop me a comment. Let me know what you think. If you learned something today, share this episode with a friend, family member, or a coworker. If you're not already subscribed to the show, why not? Hit that follow button along with the notification bell so you never miss an episode. I've got a great year ahead of episodes coming your way. If you have an idea for a show, follow the links in the show notes. I would love to hear from you. If you're not receiving my newsletter, click the link in the show notes so you could be added to the newsletter list. Every Friday, I send out tips, tricks, information that truly matters. Follow the link so you don't miss out. So many of you have reached out to me wanting to work with me. Some have even signed up for a free consult through my website. And while I have thoroughly enjoyed reading your emails, meeting you through my telehealth platform, if you do not currently live in Indiana, I am not at liberty to be your healthcare practitioner at this time. I am in the process of creating educational material that can transcend state and international lines in the form of masterclasses. I'm looking to bring into the fold a certified nutrition counselor and a certified yoga instructor. There will be special beta pricing as the curriculum develops. There is a wait list, and I recommend if you're interested, reaching out to me. There are links in the show notes. You can send me a DM, email, and I will add you to the wait list. I am very passionate about health and wellness getting optimized. I have been on my own wellness journey for quite some time and want to bring as many people with me on this journey towards better health. Thank you so much for spending time with me today, and I will see you very soon. Bye, friends.